Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Vizient Pharmacy Vision Awards celebrate the values and achievements of our pharmacy members. With me today is the winner of our Executive Pharmacy Leadership Award, Christine Collins, Senior Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Lifespan, and Vizient's own Dan Kistner, Group Senior Vice President of Pharmacy Solutions. This award demonstrates clear strategic insight, advanced leading clinical practices, and business acumen for an entire organization. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence, and your program host. Christine, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on this award. Thank you, Gretchen. I appreciate it. This award means a lot, not just to me, but to the whole pharmacy team here at Lifespan. Certainly accomplishments can't be done by one person alone. It takes a team, it takes a village. And so I'm proud of the whole team here for the accomplishments that we've made over the past years that led to this award. We're thrilled to have you here and congratulations again. Dan, welcome to Verified Rx. Gretchen, it is great to be here. I couldn't be more excited today to be a guest on Verified Rx with you and one of the best pharmacy leaders in our entire country, the Christine Collins. I couldn't agree more. Tell me about your roles and backgrounds. Christine, why don't you start? I've been here at Lifespan for a long time. I've grown up here, literally, and started out as a pharmacy student, always with the intention of leaving when I was a student. My dad ran a little corner drugstore, and I was hoping to inherit that little corner drugstore, but then he sold it before I graduated from college. My intention was still to go back into retail pharmacy, but I just loved hospital pharmacy. I loved being part of a hospital, part of a healthcare system, and just couldn't bring myself to leave. So stayed here and took on different roles and more progressively responsible positions and just really enjoyed what I did and how I was able to grow within the organization, even now beyond pharmacy. So it's really been very enjoyable for me. That's wonderful to hear. Christine, I did not know that about you, that your start in pharmacy was working in your dad's drugstore. It was. I started my first pharmacy job when I was about 11 or 12 years old. So been in pharmacy forever. Really enjoyed it. It's so great. Last time I checked in the pharmacy and health system pharmacy world now, there's about 25 different domains of specialized areas within pharmacy. People outside of pharmacy think of one domain, pharmacy, but there's so much to it. We have about 25 different subdomains that we oversee, and each one could have its own director. So we've really become a very complex, comprehensive service line, which is great. It's been great for the profession, and it's a tribute to the profession. Yeah, it's wonderful to hear that you've been there since you finished pharmacy school. And I can appreciate that background of starting at a small independent pharmacy, because that's where I got my start as well with my family. Dan, tell me about your background and role. Similar, a pharmacist by training, proud graduate of the St. Louis College of Pharmacy here in the Midwest. But I spent the last 10 years of my career very lucky, very fortunate to be running the pharmacy program here at Vizient, where we have responsibilities over our GPO services, our clinical teams, our aggregation groups, consulting, analytics, and now even our health system-led transparent PBM Aluma. Prior to coming to Vizient, I managed a very large health plan up in the Northeast in the Boston area 
for a very large PBM. And I actually got my start as a pharmacy technician at Walgreens uh, when I was 16 years old. I was working at Circuit City in the video game department. I took a pay cut to go be a pharmacy technician because I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist. I don't want to brag, but my nickname was Dan Dan the drive through Man. I was very good at drive through That customer service, I'm sure, <laughs> just shined right through that drive-up window. <laughs> I really enjoyed it there. I thought I'd be in retail, but then my career took me in different directions. I hail from St. Louis, still live here today, where I reside with my beautiful wife and our four little great kids. That was a bold move leaving Circuit City, but we're glad you made it. We're glad you came to pharmacy. Thank you, Dan, for that. Definitely high praise from you, Christine. Speak of high praise, you won this award for your work at Lifespan, including expanding pharmacy services. Tell me about some of the projects and expansion leading up to this. Certainly with COVID, with the pandemic, pharmacy was front and center for the call to action. We really saw that the organization depended on us in so many ways, whether it was access to medications with drug shortages, the clinical services we provided, but certainly second to none was our championship of vaccination rollout. And that's really been a shining star for many organizations in terms of the logistics and the strategy that it took to get those vaccinations out and into the arms of our workforce, our providers, our community, and the abilities of pharmacy and pharmacy leaders to be able to stand up those vaccination centers and clinics and do so so efficiently and so effectively was just really phenomenal. That was really one of the biggest accomplishments over the past several years that rose to the attention of the C-suite, even to the board, because it was such an important aspect of the organization and what we needed to do to get through that pandemic. That really put pharmacy in the perspective of, wow, these people know strategy, they know logistics, they can do these things. And that opened up a lot of new opportunities for pharmacy leaders and particularly as well as the pharmacy team. Building around that, helping out with now we're in financial recovery. Most health systems are in financial distress, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because of other related factors, expensive workforce and other things like that. The C-suite and the board and others, executive leaders are looking at pharmacy to say, how can you help us out? What can you do? And once again, pharmacy is stepping up, looking at financial opportunities with new business proposals and business plans, and how can we help the organization recover financially? Another big area where we've done a lot of work is around access to care. In our pharmacy world, we think about it in terms of access to medications, access to therapies. So pharmacy has had an increasingly greater role in making sure patients have access to medications. It started with the drug shortages and making sure that our patients and our providers have access to the medications and the treatments that are needed. And now we're expanding that into the community. How do we make sure that our patients in the community have access to medications that they need? So a lot of what we've been doing here at Lifespan is ensuring that our patients do have that whether it's through financial assistance, making sure they can afford the medications or where they can't, helping them with copay assistance or other access to medications through manufacturer programs, and also for assisting with prior authorizations, which can be very difficult to navigate for both the patient, for the providers, and for the staff in the provider's office. So we've been putting a lot of resources into medication access programs that assist with those two, both the financial assistance and the prior authorization.
authorizations, as well as refill management. That helps the patients and ensures that they have access to their medications, but it also helps the providers. And it helps the providers in a few ways. One of them, the more obvious, is taking some of that workload off of them. But then it also frees up some of their time so that they can see the patients. So what that does in turn is provide access to care because now the patients are able to see their provider in a more timely manner. We're able to help in many ways and also pharmacists serving as providers in these clinics, helping manage the patients. So increasing access to care in that way. Over the past several years, that's really been a big part of what we've been able to assist our organization with is creating solutions around access to care, both in terms of therapeutics and also direct access to care. When I talk with Christine, what I've learned that she's done a really good job with was that COVID created a burning platform for everyone knew why pharmacy was so important in the health system. But we saw it become increasingly important during COVID. And what Christine did through her leadership is that even after her team got through COVID and was able to take care of their community, she said, there's more we can be doing. You use that as a platform to say, yeah, we made a big difference there, but we can make an even bigger difference every day in how these patients are being taken care of. But here are the investments we need. Here are the changes I want to make. Here are the programs I want to bring to market. And so, Christine, I was just so impressed with how you just took the spotlight and it was the right spotlight because your team was making such a big difference. And you kept it there to say, we can do even more now that you had your seat at that table. Thank you, Dan. And I joke with my team that during the pandemic, people had many different ways of how they were able to get through it and resilience and perseverance and coping. For my team, we did it through business plans. We generated about eight business plans and we just focused on life after the go forward strategy. How do we get through this? So we just pulled together business plans of new things we wanted to do and work on. So we were focusing on the sunnier side of things and not the current situation. So it really helps generate a lot of positive positive energy, which is great. So what I'm really hearing is that your work that you did throughout the pandemic has established both you and your department as leaders within the organization and ensuring both patient health and the financial health of your organization, which gives you that platform to be successful moving forward. Absolutely. I don't want to take credit just that lifespan. Many other health systems have been doing similar and many more will now. This has really opened up the door. Those health systems that have taken advantage of these opportunities and their skill set within the pharmacy leadership team in the pharmacy department has really set the new trend. And I think it will continue. We'll see a very nice wave of this. Lots of great opportunities in pharmacy. Dan, this is the third year we've bestowed this award. What trends are you seeing in executive pharmacy leadership? For pharmacists, traditionally pharmacy leaders, our clinical experience, our background, it's extremely valuable. But what's going to differentiate us further in this healthcare environment when we look across our peers is the need for pharmacists to have that strong business acumen and that they focus on it. For many of us, that's not what we were taught in school. It's not a natural instinct that we might have as well. Having pharmacy leaders, as they continue to grow, building new skill sets around their business acumen really will help them be successful. I talk about it a lot. It's the evolution of the pharmacy leader to getting to the C-suite table. So it's that transition from the clinician. What can we be doing to evolve the skill sets that we need? Pharmacy leaders are under the most pressure we've seen in decades especially around financial pressures. And that applies to the entire health system. Kaufman Hall just put out a report recently. I think it was 54% of hospitals lost money last year. But you got to think that's the pressure that's coming down from the C-suite where they're going to look at all of their service line leaders to say, what are we doing to help the health system so we can continue to provide the services in our communities that are so needed? And if we want as pharmacy leaders to be at that table, 
we have to bring solutions. I met with some CEOs recently, and there was two quotes that they said that I thought were really interesting because we've seen this transition over the last decade where the C-suite is very much aware now of the impact that pharmacy has, not only on patient care, but also on the financial health of the system. And so one of the CEOs said, you know, if you pulled out the pharmacy business today out of our hospital, is running a very large business. It's not just running a cost center. It's running something that is very much needed to sustain the financial viability of the health system. And another CEO of a large health system on the East Coast said, I'm not really running a hospital anymore. I'm running a pharmacy that has other services. And you think about that, that's quite a change in the language that we've heard around pharmacy in the past for years. And when I worked in the health system pharmacy, in the hospital I worked in, we were physically in the basement. I think metaphorically, we were someone in the basement too, right? We weren't thought of as really a solution bringer and someone that could that help grow the health system. But now the C-suite is looking for us more and more. And I love seeing it, Gretchen. I, I see it a lot more where pharmacy leaders either have a direct or a dotted line to the C-suite. And they have that ability to be at the table for all of the strategic discussions. They're not just seen as a service line owner or an operator. My favorite thing to see is when I see a pharmacist transition to the C-suite. I think that's a huge win for our profession. Probably the hardest trend to kick though for pharmacy leaders to do this is it makes us take time away from the stuff that we really are passionate about or we really know well. You think about the clinical work, residencies, students, the things that drives us. We love it. We love focusing on it. But how do we enable our leaders to pick up some of that work so we can focus on what we can be doing to better run our business when it comes to cost, quality, and market performance? So when it comes to everything that's important, obviously, first and foremost, to the care of that patient, but then also on how we're looking at how are we performing and growing our business we can make a very noticeable and meaningful contribution to the overall health system. I completely agree with you, Dan. Just to go back to one important point, too, is we need to evolve as a service line. And we see that with the successful health systems. We can't build our model around a pharmacist that reviews medication orders for clinical content. We have smart electronic health records that do that for us. The evolution of the electronic health record that's just become smarter and smarter in terms of order sets and functionality that's built into the system. Those medication orders are coming across to us ready for prime time. We don't really have to add as much clinical oversight of the medication orders. But what we do need to do, though, is manage them in a more holistic way. We need to manage our patients and our programs and our specialty areas in a more holistic way. So we do that through stewardship programs. So most health systems have have antimicrobial stewardship programs that go into whether it's formulary management or guidelines or order sets or education, a whole bundle of things that go along with the stewardship program. We need to do more of that. It's less about reviewing line by line medication order. It's more about managing whether it's high risk or high cost medications or vulnerable populations through a stewardship program. So anticoagulation, uh, blood factors, opioids, there are many genomics. There are many areas now within our health system that we're building these stewardship programs that manages the patient in a more holistic way. Going back to our core and what we represent, it is a struggle. It is a balance because the attention that pharmacy gets and a lot of the resources we get is tied to that business side. I've 
presented to the board more in the past couple of years around the business side than I have around the clinical programs that we do in, in the access to care and that part of the infrastructure and certainly the academics and the residency and our future pipeline. But those are so important and that is where a lot of our team gets the reward from doing their job, not so much on the business side. It's great. We're proud of that work, but we're more proud of the going back to our roots and what we're able to do for patient care and the improved outcomes. Christine, that's so right. I have a, an amazing pharmacist on our team here. And I recently, I had a skip level meeting with them and you know they came to me and said they were struggling with something. I said, well, what's going on? And they said, I think it was the chest guidelines, some new guidelines that came out. And they said it was the first time in their career that they didn't know where to start. They had for years had to memorized and were always up to date. And they said, do you have any advice for me? Because I'm struggling with it. And we reviewed what their role was and it had nothing, their day-to-day and, and really how they were contributing to the hospitals we support it had nothing to do with the guidelines. And I said, well, I do have some advice for you. You need to let it go. I think I was probably watching Frozen a lot with my daughter when I thought of that. But I said, that's the whole point. And what I see in other amazing pharmacy leaders across the country is not only what they do with their teams, but what they do with each other. Pharmacists are the best at collaborating. They just are. When you say let it go, you can't be the expert in everything. You can't be the best at everything. You cannot be leading the forefront of pharmacogenomics, specialty pharmacy. You just can't be at the forefront of everything. So what I love when I see what Christine does, Gretchen, is that she is the first one to throw up to everybody in a group of her peers and say, here's what I'm doing. I think this is working really well. What are you all doing? Or, hey, our team's looking at this, but I know I heard you're way ahead on this. What are you doing? And it's that selflessness that allows you to be able to be the best and to grow faster than you could if you just tried to go at it by yourself. And I think that's a really good lesson for that pharmacist that I spoke about and for all of us that you just can't be the best at everything. Being able to understand, appreciate that, accept it, and then look to your peers who Again, we're so lucky we're in a profession that people want to lean in to help us all to become the best. Christine, that triggered a story for me that I really see you enable well when I see you out there with your peers. And that is so true and something that I personally struggle with because I came through the ranks of knowing all the different areas, understanding all elements. I talked before about the 25 different subcategories of subfunctions of pharmacy. I can't be an expert in all of those areas. So it's changed and I've had to evolve because I've had to go from being an expert in all of the areas that I oversee to letting it go. And now you rely on the content experts. So data science, they are such a huge part. You rely so much on the experts in data science. I cannot be an expert, but I can hire really good content experts and I can help set them up to collaborate with the clinical specialists and with the operational leaders and get them to work together. Just the job of a health system executive, pharmacy executive, is no longer to be knowledgeable in all areas of pharmacy. Let it go. What you need to do is have all the right attributes of leadership. You need to be able to build a collaborative team. You need to be able to have a vision and engage your team to work towards that vision and to provide energy and to provide excitement and motivation and to help them with any barriers and help them problem solve and teach them to problem solve. And that has become really the role of a successful pharmacy executive. You nailed it, Christine. And then you set that example. And then everyone else on your team follows that example of saying, I don't have to be the expert of everything because Gretchen's the expert of this and I can be the expert of this and I can help her when she needs me and she can help me. When that starts to multiply 
you're unstoppable. Absolutely. But it's hard. It's hard to do that. Thank you both so much for this discussion. And to our listeners, please check back for part two of this series on executive pharmacy leadership. We'll pick back up with Dan and Christine on succession planning and looking to the future. And listeners, please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.